Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion. I am your host, Bill Real. It's November 5th, 2015. The church just released a bunch of policy changes that reflect on same-sex marriage now being considered an act of, an apo- of apostasy and that children of a same-sex relationship cannot be blessed and to be baptized must have first presidency approval. I am really upset tonight. And I'm really frustrated. And like a lot of people out there, I'm really hurt. I just got back from a ward missionary correlation meeting where we prayed for ways to bring Heavenly Father's children to Christ. Where we talked at length about things we could do to bring Heavenly Father's children to Christ. And yet these policies seem to be anything but that. Elder Christofferson back in January said there was no litmus test on this issue, that members of the church were free and able to support it if they thought it was right. And yet here in this policy change, we have imposed a litmus test. And so sorry, Elder Christofferson, I don't know what your thoughts were then versus what your contribution was to this, but it seems as though those are at odds. The second article of faith says that we will be punished for our own sins and not for Adam's transgression. And yet that principle within our theology that we will not be punished for the acts of others, but only by the use of our own agency is now having a policy imposed upon it that is contradictory. The church tells us that agency is an eternal principle and that we shall be punished for our own transgressions. And yet in this policy, the church takes away our agency and punishes for things that someone never used their own agency to cause. It just doesn't seem right. The other issue is baby blessings. I'm thinking of of a same-sex couple who, whether they be excommunicated or inactive or whatever the storyline may be, that they want their child blessed in the church, and we're now going to say, sorry, we don't do that for you. And that breaks my heart. In the midst of my difficult and long and and back and forth faith transition, one of the things I always found beautiful in the LDS faith were the blessings of children. And now we're saying that those are not allowed to take place when the parents of that child are acting in a way that breaks a certain commandment in a certain way. I worry that these new policies are going to pit leaders against families. I'm picturing very dogmatic bishops, very black and white seeing stake presidents in the things they are going to say and do and enact on families that now fall into this category of apostasy, as well as the children who must now bear 
a part of the blunt of this this policy, which seems to be more like a weapon. It's also going to pit family against family. Maybe their intention was to do the opposite, but I don't think that's what the fruits of this are going to be. When you think of a 16-year-old kid taking the discussions and the things he might say or do in terms of how he treats his same-sex parents in order to separate himself from them so that he might join the church, I'm just not comfortable with this. And I'm struggling to make sense of why we're saying that it is that same-sex, people in same-sex marriage are in apostasy and and the children of those in same-sex marriage cannot participate in the saving ordinances or in child blessings, at least not without the first presidency's approval. And then I have to ask myself, what, what, what sin are they committing? And the sin they're committing based on what the church defines is that they're breaking the law of chastity. And then I, my mind goes back immediately to when I served as a bishop. And I'm thinking of all the inactive, living in sin, unworthy couples who had their child blessed in my ward and how that's still okay. I think of those who have had adultery, who have had their children blessed or their kids baptized. I think of those people in the church who have done more heinous crimes of molesting children or, or heavens forbid, even committing murder or raping another and their children still participate in the ordinances and blessings of the gospel. Somehow in this policy, we have said that those who have same-sex attraction, who get married and break the church's definition of the law of chastity, are worse by far than the heterosexual couple in your ward who are not legally married, who are living in sin, who are unworthy in perhaps numerous other ways, who are inactive in their membership and activity in the church, and yet we still allow them to have these things done. This just seems seems so contradictory that I simply cannot support it. I cannot raise my hand in support of this. Let me tell you, I hope maybe some church leader somewhere is listening. Let me tell you a few thoughts about me and people like me. We realize the church history is messy. People like Richard Bushman, Terrell Givens, Adam Miller, Sam Brown, Claudia Bushman, Fiona Givens. I could go on and on. There's there's lots of them, dozens and dozens and dozens of scholars in the church who recognize that church history is messy, that it's problematic, and that our present framing of how this all adds up is incomplete and unsatisfactory. But me and all of them were still in. I'll tell you why. It's because the history doesn't, doesn't distance us from the church. I can deal with seer stones. I can deal with treasure digging. I can deal with magic circles. I can deal with throat uh, slit Spaniards. I can deal with Book of Abraham papyri. I can deal with 14 year old brides in Joseph Smith's day. I can deal with him being sealed to the wives of other men. I can deal with the 3,000 other problems in our history that cause our current framing to not add up. What I can't deal with is when the Latter-day Saint standing next to me today is marginalized and ostracized and pushed away. And I've already begun to see some of these scholars raise a voice of concern tonight that they too do not see this move as a positive. 
many times over the last three or four years, I have thought briefly about leaving this church. I have thought about taking a break or just separating myself altogether from it. I've looked up other faiths. I've looked up other churches. I've looked up other congregations to associate with. And the trouble is that Mormonism, if you dig below the surface, is expansive. It's inclusive. It's rich. It's welcoming. It's, it's so, so large view. And yet the Mormonism I get fed each and every week on Sunday is so small view. The Mormonism I desire speaks highly of grace, of Christ, of his atonement, of his sacrifice, of his resurrection. The Mormonism I get on Sundays leaves me malnourished. The Mormonism I read about when I dig below the surface brings joy to my heart. The Mormonism I have had to ponder on this evening has left me sad and empty. The faithful reasoning that I'm seeing being given is that this policy relieves from children and parents the burden of choosing between family and the church. That's the reasoning I'm seeing some defenders of the church laying out. But as I've thought this through, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because for every kid or parent you help in helping them not feel like they have to choose, you are also causing turmoil and anguish in some other parent and child who wants to choose, who both sides are in agreement, and the church says, no, sorry, you can't do that. It also can't use that logic because so often in these other cases, we do not permit that same type of of care and concern. Elder Holland in a recent general conference talk, the one he just gave, spoke about the heartache that we cause our mothers when we separate ourselves from the church. And yet we speak nothing at all about the heartache that we cause the parents of those who leave their previous faiths to join ours. These policies are ones I cannot support. I do not sustain them. I do not support them and I dissent. In Mormonism, we have a Mormon heritage, a right to stand up and raise a vote of opposition. For all those who are opposed, you may signify by the same sign and I raise my hand in opposition to these policies. They must be done away with. I cannot stand idly by while one more person is hurt or marginalized. I cannot stand idly by while one more LDS kid goes into depression because he's gay and kills himself. I cannot spend one more moment standing idly by and letting people in this church be marginalized or ostracized. I can't do it. I can almost guarantee we were blessing children of color and baptizing children of color who were born into interracial marriages or into families where the parents were just less obedient in the premortal life. And sadly, I'm looking back at those times and thinking, man, we might have just been further ahead on that issue then than we are today on this issue. May I finish with a scripture in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 19. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, 
suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Brothers and sisters, I mourn with you tonight. We are called, when we are baptized, to mourn with those that mourn, to comfort those that stand in need of comfort, and to stand as a witness of Christ at all times and in all places and in all things. Tonight, I mourn with you. Tonight, I stand ready to comfort those who need comforted. And I also, by the grace of God, stand as a witness of Him in this very time, in this very place, and in this very thing. To my gay brothers and sisters, I love you. I appreciate you. I am your ally. To the leaders of the church, you've told me you don't apologize. I pray and hope that you will recognize that policies such as this have run the risk of doing lots of damage. May both you and I be guided by the Holy Spirit as we think these things through. And may I be humble enough to accept it if it becomes clear that I'm in the wrong. And may you be courageous enough to apologize and remove it if the Holy Ghost shows that truth unto you. May the Lord warm all of our shoulders this night. In the sacred name of Jesus Christ, amen. He's the one who healed the leper And who brought the dead to life He's the one who fed the hungry And who gave the blind their sight He's the one who walked on water Then he brought them safe to shore And whenever you may need him He's the one you're looking for So let him in And he will take away your
you'll remember who you are. He will mold your life and change your willing heart. Come on to Christ. Come on to By His grace, be made holy again. He's calling your name. He's waiting for you with arms open wide. Come unto Christ, and you will find. Holy again. He's called.